Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that if you had offered us you know, two wins to win the World Series at the beginning of the season, we would have taken it. You know what I mean? We would have taken it. <laughs> we we, we, would, we would have taken it. Sure, are we, the spiritual Phillies fans in this analogy, uh, just crushed um, to be yeah. in this spot. But when you really zoom out and you think like- Ask me a month ago. Yeah. It, what, what I, I think I said this to, to uh, uh, our Phillies fan, <laughs> uh, friend Matt Curry yesterday- I FaceTimed him after the game, the no-hitter, and I said, hey, uh, if you're getting no-hit in the World Series, that means you're in the World Series. It's pretty lit. <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's true. Uh, Jake Mintz, it's is a pleasure to see you. You've once again changed backgrounds. Uh, you you first came to us from the press box, then you came to us from Section 2-something at Citizens Bank Park, and now you're in some hallway in the in the depths of CBP after a another classic. This series has been so much fun. A 3-2 victory for the Houston Astros. Uh, well, they will head back to Houston. You will head back to Houston as well. We got a lot to get into in this game. We're going we're gonna to go beat by beat this time because there were a lot of moments to remember. Uh, then we'll take a quick break, and then we will give us some big picture stuff, and then we'll say goodnight because it is very late, and Jake still has to write words. So, Jake Mintz, where would you like to begin with this here game five? Uh, I think we probably should start in the first inning. What do you think? <laughs> Called the first inning for a reason. Comes first. The, the beginning. Let's start in the beginning. Okay, right. so this was Verlander, Syndergaard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the best matchup, as Mac Petriello said, of 2016. But there was a gap today. Verlander is going to win the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. Syndergaard was only expected to go through the lineup once. And that's kind of what happened. All right, top of the first, the Astros jump on Syndergaard, Altuve double off the wall. Pena single him in. Okay, so Jordan, my perspective on this moment. I watched Verlander warm up in the bullpen mm-hmm. and was making my way back to the press box like right at first pitch. So I get in the elevator at first pitch and I go upstairs, I get a coffee and I sit down in my seat and I look up and it's 1-0. <laughs> and like I know you talk about this sometimes, right? like there's the cliche mm-hmm. of before you can even know what's going on, they're down. Yep. That literally happened to me. Like that actually, not a joke, happened to me i looked up and it was one to zero then so, so but i did go. get i did get up there in time for the strike him out throw him out double play yes as as jordan is trying to jordan seems to be 
committed to um, uh, all of the WPA he added during the first two games of the Mariners series. He has been trying to uh, subtract slowly over the course of this postseason with that strike him out, throw him out there. Bregman strikes out, and it's like, holy shit, that was fine. Noah Syndergaard. But this is the thing, right? Okay, so that inning ends and the crowd goes nuts because it had the potential to go totally off the rails. Mm-hmm. And it, they went as nuts as they would have if it had been a scoreless inning. Mm-hmm. And so that did kind of, <laughs> you felt the energy picked back up and it only picked up further when Kyle Schwarber launched a home run in the first at-bat of the bottom half. Mm-hmm. Just an absolute laser beam into the bleachers in right field. Another one, I think 111 off the bat, uh, second pitch, I believe. And it was like, well... Here we go. And that is when I was thinking, and I was thinking all day today, like, are we just going to get like a CS game four where both starters get shelled and now we're just button mashing the bullpen uh, for, the, for the whole night? But instead, after that, they did pretty much start to settle in. Syndergaard with four strikeouts through two innings, which I would be surprised if he's done that the whole season. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know. We, we got another Bryce walk. Verlander's starting to – he didn't get too rattled. The off-speed stuff was way sharper. The slider was moving way more than it was in game one. And we talked about that after the game. So we get a scoreless uh, second from both teams, a scoreless third from both teams. And we're like, okay, okay. But still, we know – Cindergard, let's not let's not push this too far, right? Let's not push this too far. All the Phillies relievers are, should be fresh, right? Let's not let's not push this too far. And so we get. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, Connor Brogdon mm-hmm. is hot. Oh, he's hot in the top of the third. Yep. Just in case a couple guys get on, they don't want Cindergard facing Alvarez again. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cindergard gets Altuve out to end the third, and it's like. Mission wow. accomplished. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Great job. Mm-hmm. You take that every day of the week. One run, three innings. That's exactly what he did against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The only run that time was a solo shot. Totally happy with it. No. He comes back out. First batter at the top of the fourth. Jeremy Pena pops one in the seats. Yeah. Six pitch of the at bat. but And he got him down 0-2. But again, what we're talking about here is not even just like the matchups or seeing him again. It's that Noah Syndergaard hasn't been starting <laughs> for a while now. And execution-wise, he hung a horrible curveball that Jeremy Pena, you know, yanked over the fence. And Pena's just been completely unreal uh, for the for the course of this uh, of this postseason. He's continued more hits later in the game and defense. And, I mean, he's, he's amazing. We'll talk about him more later. And it's like, okay, all right, now we go to Brogdon. But we're down to 2-1. Okay, fine. Still, still, still a close ball game. And then the game kind of settles in. Mm-hmm. And it was around, like, Verlander wasn't crisp. Like, he wasn't the best version of himself, as good as he was against the Yankees. He wasn't that guy, right? Like, he had a lot of traffic. The Phillies just couldn't get one more hit against him. Mm-hmm. He walked four guys in five innings. You said the most walks he's most had walks all season. Year. Yep. But he got the job done through five without allowing another run after that Schwarber uh, home run to start the game. We're going to fast forward ahead to the top of the seventh. At this point, relievers are in the game. They're trading zeros all the way. It's still two to one Astros. The Astros don't score in the top of the seventh, but a bullpen decision here by Phillies manager Rob Thompson is is crucial. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who is probably the Phillies' best reliever, I would Mm -hmm. say right now, their most reliable reliever certainly, comes in for the bottom of the Houston lineup. Okay? 
and he throws 20 pitches. Yeah. Comes back out in the eighth. He's already thrown 20 pitches, and he faces the top of the order, walks Altuve, allows a hit to Jeremy Pena. Rob Thompson goes and gets him. The thought process there is you probably want to have Bellotti or Robertson, one of the second-level guys, pitching to the bottom of the order. You save Sir Anthony for the top when he's fresh. Was he going to allow those hits anyway? Who knows? But that is and, the critique you can make. Yeah, and also, like, he just didn't even look great. There, You know, he had some traffic in, in that seventh inning with the Gurriel double. You know, they get out of it with kind of the rundown uh, where Gurriel gets hurt um, and Reese tags him out there. But, but yeah, it just – that was and they they it was it felt a little weird, but again, because you because you kind of knew that you were going to try to get two out of Sir Anthony. It was just a matter of when, and so kind of pulling that trigger early. Now you could argue, oh, you want to let him to settle in, but once he wasn't looking great in the seventh, I was already worried <laughs> about the eighth. Uh, they go to Robertson. <laughs> Jordan continues to not deliver where it seems like he is going to. We've been waiting for for one more big Jordan hit. It hasn't quite happened. Uh, he grounds one sharply down the line. Uh, with Altuve coming home, Reese comes in off the heel of his glove, recovers, gets the out at first, but the run comes in, and that makes it three to one. Now, ultimately, Robertson gets out of it. Let's but talk that about is an this insurance play. run. Yes. Let's talk about this play. It ends up being the difference. Spoilers. Um, I think two things are true. One, Reese is really bad at first base. Mm-hmm. He's a bad defender. He's a good guy, but he's a bad defender. We are biased to defend Reese at all times, right? Because we like the guy. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think that there's a, a tendency for people to see mistakes that he makes at first and be like, well, he's got to make that play because, and it's seen through the lens of him being a bad defender. Yes, he needs to feel the ball cleanly, duh. I think if he goes home, Altuve is safe and they don't get an out. Now, maybe I'm being biased here too. Sure. I just... Altuve running on the pitch. Yeah. He has to make a strong throw. I'm skeptical that they get the out there anyway mm-hmm. on that slow hit ball. Yeah. But it, it does end up being the difference. It was not, it was not the easiest play that Reese has arguably messed up <laughs> this postseason. <laughs> that is certainly maybe one way to put it. But sure, it ends up being the difference. Whatever. There are a lot of other reasons why the Phillies lost this game. Anyway, but that does drive in another run. Even if it wasn't the home run we were waiting for from Jordan, it does. He does put the ball in play, and that does. Uh, which, again, that's another thing which just the Astros is having time and time again. And, again, why you put the ball in play. It's why Cleveland got as far as they did. It's just don't strike out, right? Like that, it does. The, the put the ball in play, good things happen. It, usually you can roll your eyes at it. But, like, when you have when you have these games that are this close, it does often make a huge difference. Anyway, but they only get one there. Mancini strikes out. Okay, so but Mancini comes in for the game for Gurriel, who got injured. He strikes out. Okay, now we go to the bottom of the eighth. Here comes Rafael Montero, who's been nails the entire postseason, um, whole entire season, but really this postseason. Don't believe he had allowed a run to this point. Walks Castellano, strikes out Bohm, walks Stott on four pitches. Here comes Gene Segura, who has looked terrible at the plate in the in the, in the World Series, at least. Drives one to the gap. 3-2. Holy shit, here we go. But Places rock. Oh, I can imagine. Game stories are being, you know, deleted. (laughs) We love it. Chaos reigns. Clearly Montero does not have it. We go to Presley for the five-out save. Let me say something. Dusty had been critiqued for not being urgent enough. Tonight (laughs) he was, and he deserves credit for that. He went out there and correctly identified that Montero didn't have the shit. And he went out there and took him out of the freaking ball. He did it earlier, too. 
when Neris was not looking amazing and they were like, fuck it, Abreu, get in here. Like, get in here earlier than we planned. So totally agree. I think he, I, you, you absolutely got to give him credit for that. Um, okay, first and third. First and third, one out, Presley's warming. I turn to Pedro Mora, our colleague at Fox Sports, and I say, Pedro, I don't think they can let Brandon Marsh hit here. Why do I think that, Jordan, even though he's a lefty facing a righty? Dude strikes out all the time. He's got to put a ball in play, right? Now it becomes the conversation of, all right, that's fine, but like, who's a better option? What are you going to do? Bring in Matt Veerling, who's a righty facing a righty who throws a lot of sliders. It's a much worse matchup. Do you bring in Nick Maton, who wasn't on the roster in the last round, right? Do you bring in Edmundo Sosa, who's also a righty? Like, it's just... I guess you could bring in Garrett Stubbs, who's a left-handed bat, <laughs> right? Been. Like, but yeah, that's when's a crazy last time spot, hit? right? Like, it, it's tough because there there weren't great yeah. options, and maybe yeah. that's part of the issue. But like, in that spot, Marsh just doesn't get the job done. He he fouls off two pitches and then strikes out on a slider, or um, right, a slider. Yep, three straight sliders. Three three straight sliders. Fouls off two swings, and it's like, well, yeah, duh. Like yeah. he just he. Swings and misses so much, and that's part of his game. And, like, it's a flawed game. We love Brandon Marsh. He's wet as hell, right? He's a great <laughs> outfielder, great defensive player, and maybe he develops into a better hitter in time. But the guy right now is not geared to be the dude in that spot, to make contact, to shorten up your swing, and to get the ball in play. I know I sound like fucking A-Rod, but in that <laughs> no. spot, like, it's like, so – you just have to be a different version of yourself, right? It's Yeah, and it's what I just said, and it's why the Astros – have had success this whole postseason and in the past too. But I mean, again, like it, it's these little moments over the course of this game where you were reminded why the Astros are the better team. Right. And it's like that we love this Phillies team because they have had these moments. Brandon Marsh has had these big home runs. Reese, of course, right. Not a perfect player, but he's had these incredible moments. But like the, as we saw in the sweep against the Yankees, like you just cannot be making mistakes on offense or defense at any point. If you want to win a close game against Houston, it's that simple. And that's what was so amazing about game one, right? Going back to game one, that, that they were able to keep it close and come back and not make those mistakes and have the Cassianos play. Like, that is what made that so incredible. But when you have to, when you're tight the whole game and you're not even necessarily coming from behind, but it's close the whole time and every pitch feels like the most important pitch of your life, it's it's just, it's, it's, that's, that is the difference. That is the absolute difference in these games. So Marsh strikes out. Here comes Kyle Schwarber. Now, one thing is, okay, we didn't ground it to a double play. We still got Schwarber. Now we're going to have Harper come up in the ninth, whatever. Schwarber laces one down the line. Trey Mancini is essentially sitting crisscross applesauce on first base. <laughs> and, and Mancini had a great quote after the game. He's saying, they're like, oh, what was he said, like, I, like I didn't even have time to react. He was like, I tackled it. And that is what it looked like. And the slow-mo of him making the play is amazing because his face, like he doesn't have enough time to really like set himself. He just kind of throws his body at it. And I know he didn't like actually tackle it, but the way he fielded it did not look like a normal fielding play, but he did it, man. And and I obviously for Trey, who's now I think what, 0 for 18 in the postseason, um, to come up with that spot when he hasn't even played defense the whole month is is pretty amazing. The ball will find you, Jordan. Yeah, this is Coach is, Coach Jake here. The ball sure will. will find you. Now, that's more great positioning than anything else, sure. making sure For he's sure. on the line. It's a no-brainer. Schwarber's a pull hitter. You want to have your first baseman essentially standing on the bag. Yeah. That's where he was, right? Yeah. It's I hate saying game of inches, but, you know, ball hits the bag. Ball, yeah. you know, is foul. Schwarber gets another chance. It's just these little things, these little moments that make up the game. Top of the ninth. 
runner on first. This was great. Runner on first. First and second or first just first? And second. Yep, cause first and like, second. Yep. One out. It's like, oh, man, they're just going to score like five Tommy, runs Tommy, Altuve's up. Altuve's up. It's David Robertson, right? It's like, oh, my no, God. No, Eflin. It's Eflin. I'm oh, sorry, Eflin. Eflin. Eflin comes in. Mm-hmm. Grounder to Alec Bohm, who in one gangly motion <laughs> fields the ball, touches third, throws it across the diamond at first. Double play. It, place goes nuts. Like, place oh goes nuts. Oh my Great example it's, it's literally of when a player... Ex- when a player makes a play, you're not expecting, yes. right? We talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Bohm is not the swiftest dude over there. And so like for him to make a play that he doesn't make all that much, mm-hmm. the crowd knew it and they they went nuts. Same way in the first where it was like, uh-oh, everything's going to crumble. Oh, just kidding. Philly's defense slash pitching inexplicably gets the job done. Now the crowd's going crazy. We carry that momentum and it's two, three, four, coming to the dish, down by one, you know, storybook shit but ryan presley's still really good so we go to reese hoskins and this at bat was again reese had already struck out three times in this game presley throws so many off-speed pitches and i feel like he has five different versions of both his curveball and his slider he's got one that backs up he's spiking them he's throwing hard like hard cutters and you don't see the four seamer that often slider foul slider foul slider foul Curveball, take, and then 93-mile-an-hour four-seamer right down the middle and swings at it like it's 103 straight through it. And again, like this is where I'm like, damn, Maldonado. Same with Vasquez. Like These dudes are calling incredible games, um, and they're executing. So he goes down, and then we get to arguably the play of the postseason. Play of the game. Play of the game. JT Realmuto launches one, a very bad pitch slider in in the happy zone out to right center Chaz McCormick Westchester zone ranges over Chaz McCormick who I will also note has not looked very good been at the terrible at the play. he's been just again they don't really have any other options can I note that Westchester is Westchester Pennsylvania and not Westchester New York thank you oh oh yes okay thank you for that that's that's true it's it's this is two words Westchester I think that's the difference um Chazzle Dazzle ranges over, and my God, what a freaking play. And let me tell you, this was one of those plays that got better the more you watched it because he got up. And also, he sent after the game, like, oh, you know, the fence isn't that, like, it's got some some kind of some give to it, so it's not that bad. But it's, it's not padded, right? It's different than running towards a, towards a pad. Like, to go through that fence and to make that play, in that, I mean, it was just, it was everything. I, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It was one of the best catches I can remember in the World Series in a long time. He puts his hands on his head in like disbelief. And I think that there's been a lot of Chaz, you're playing where you're from. Like, how cool is that? Your family's here. All your buddies are here. And, you know, he's answered all those questions with genuine glee and wonder. But at the same time, like he hears them a lot. I think it kind of hit him in that moment that he made a leaping catch against the wall at the during the World Series at Citizens Bank Park. He was just wearing the wrong uniform. He's wearing the wrong (laughs) color. Right. Like. And when he dreamed of it, it was basically that, just a little bit different. I uh, would very much encourage everyone to go watch him talk about it after the game, just in the scrum. Because they asked him, like, when you're lying there on your back, like, what are you thinking? And he's like, best feeling in the world. Like, I just did that. I'm at home. All these Phillies fans are looking at me like, <laughs> like, like this is the craziest thing ever. You know, and, and again, and he also, again, it's not just, oh, you grew up here. Like, they asked him, like, oh, like, 
do you remember Aaron Rowan? Right. It's like the Aaron Rowan catch. He's like, yeah, of course. Like Aaron Rowan, like that. I can picture that play. And like, I always, and so, you know, it's, it's, it was just such a cool thing. And for who, someone who did not have the moment because he just kept striking out of the plate for him to have that catch in that spot to kind of, you know, send Houston back home was, was really amazing. But then we still have Bryce Harper opportunity for another movie moment. And instead it's just like, don't even think about giving him anything to hit. And they still challenged him more than I thought. Not, not as much, but he gave him, it was, it was, it was sort of, it was almost gave him something. I can't uh, think of an elite pitcher. That's a worse matchup right. against Harper than, than Presley. Right. Breaking ball, heavy right-hander who relies on low in the zone. Like, Oh man. And he threw two fastballs low. And then he, I think he hung a slider or a slider inside. And then he just, just yanks a slider and hits Harper, which again, presumably he probably wanted to walk him anyway. Which was, of course, a talking point, which we'll get to later. But here comes Nick Castellanos. Again, we're even worse, man. I mean, it's opposite of <laughs> this is the matchup that, that, that Presley wants. And ultimately, he grounds out uh, to end the ball game. And um, and a, a very difficult two games for the Philadelphia Phillies. And an incredible two wins for the Astros, who yep. showed up here in Philly game three got fucking pummeled like and didn't blink since then they've allowed two runs in 18 innings Mm -hmm. they've won two games in one of the harshest environments we've had in recent memory i think the crowd does play a role i really do Mm -hmm. that being said it didn't look like it tonight and it didn't look like it last night because the astros are just too good right they're not going to fold under the pressure Mm -hmm. if the situation like if they are good like they're just good like the crowd only does so much and so i think the astros deserve a lot of credit for just completely flipping the narrative over the last two days Mm -hmm. as close as these two games have been in some ways like Mm -hmm. they also haven't really been close yep again they've they've been in control uh and it was extremely impressive all right we're going to take a quick break uh and then we're going to come back and kind of give you some big picture thoughts zoom out as we head back to houston for game six Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a SiriusXM podcast, inviting you to join me three, yes, three times a week for NFL analysis that goes beyond the low-hanging fruit. On Mondays, we react to the biggest stories of the NFL weekend. On Wednesdays, we pick one topic to really dig in on. And on Fridays, I'll give you all the fantasy football advice you need in just 15 minutes. We call it the Fantasy 15. Download new episodes of the NFL Roadshow right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Hey. Let's zoom on out, hit command minus, and look at the bigger picture of what we learned from this game. I would like to begin with Justin Verlander, who finally gets the World Series win that has eluded him for so long. We jokingly called him No Trust in Verlander uh, about a week ago. Maybe even said it a couple days ago, yesterday, previewing this game. He got it. He did it. And I think it did genuinely mean a lot to him. He looked absolutely gleeful. Yes. After I, if you watch, go watch on the MLB on Fox Twitter account, his interview with Poppy and A-Rod and all them after the game. I mean, it was, again, like the, basically the happiest I've ever seen him. Um, and just like 
this wonder and glee of like winning a baseball game. Like it felt like he, it really clearly, it felt like he thought like it was, it was impossible for me to win a world series game. And again, this goes back to the thing of, you know, joking. Oh, well, if you're going to get no, at least you're in the world series. This is his ninth world series start. Only six pitchers ever have even started that many games on the world series. And so it's not just that he's got like to even have these many opportunities and, and not get one is, is unbelievable. Um, but no, he he did what he needed to do. It's not like he was he was up against Bob Gibson on the other side, but he did what he needed to do, and and that he deserves credit for it. And you could you you really could tell that this was that it was something that was weighing on him uh, for big time. He also talked about a moment where um, they showed him and Dusty um, after he got pulled. This is still in the middle of the game, just like kind of you know hugging it out, and like he basically said like you know well what do you say? And he's like yeah like. Dusty said, he's like, I told him that was a grind. And Dusty, just looking like both of those dudes have been through, have seen some shit and lost <laughs> all kinds of big games. And for them to kind of be in this together um, is, is is an interesting pairing. Um, and look, I, I know a lot of people listening and saying, fuck these guys. I hate the Astros. I, I'm not rooting for Justin Verlander or any circumstance. That's fine. The reality is to see him get it done, it was, it was cool. Jeremy Pena. Wow. Jeremy Pena is probably one of the more rootable things about the 2022 Astros. He is a fresh face. He is, to me, the first guy where super casual fans know that he wasn't on the 2017 team. You don't <laughs> right. hear guys screaming cheater at him, even though like Kyle Tucker, Kyle and Jordan, yep. and like all those dudes, like, even like McCormick and right. Maldonado, right? Maldonado is a great one. They still get cheater, trash can, cheater. They weren't on the team. Pena is prominent enough and enough of a fresh face that he doesn't even get that from people who aren't paying attention. And again, I do think, I think we talked about this a little bit with, with Jeff Passan, but like I think so much of it is that it was so much about Correa. And to have literally the dude replacing him just be so lovable... <laughs> <laughs> the dude's literally throwing up a heart like on every everything he does and he's getting so many hits and so many he an amazing catch earlier on the Castellanos liner like he is a full-blown star do I think that counting stats wise he can put up a season like Tatis or no I don't I really don't I think that the ceiling statistically is limited because he does swing so much and I still am kind of surprised at how they're attacking him because when he does look bad he looks pretty bad but it doesn't matter because he's hot right now and he's delivering when he needs to, and he's having a, one of the greatest rookie postseasons ever. And you'll never be able to take that away from him. And he's so good defensively, right? So yeah. the floor over a, yeah, a full yeah. season no, is so high. Player. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's you know I'm not expecting him to hit 40 home runs this year, but it doesn't matter. He's going to be one of the best shortstops in baseball for a long time. Jordan, you and I are in different places, but I would pat your back <laughs> if I could right now because oh boy, were we right about Jeremy <laughs> Pena? Yes, back at you. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, we'll we'll keep flexing that one. I mean, he literally tweeted, get on the Jeremy Pena hype train on opening day before first pitch. So, um, look, we, we, we tried to tell you. Uh, other uh, members of this Astros team, again, Brian Abreu, look, relievers are only going to get so famous. But, man, I mean, he is just, sure. he is as, as, as gnarly as it gets. Um, the word that comes to mind for me is hoss. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, you know that there's all kinds of guys that – have amazing stuff and don't have the control or third pitch to start. But like when you put it all together and be because relievers are so volatile, when you can be this dominant for this stretch of high leverage games, 
it is just so freaking impressive, right? Because Presley has not looked invincible. I mean, he's looked really damn good, but Abreu's the guy. We saw Montero, you know, showing some cracks in Naris and, and Stanek, right? Like, these are all great pitchers, but Abreu is the one who by far, you just, he comes in and is like, they have no shot. Um, and yeah, so we have to mention him. Now, on the other side for the Astros, Jordan Alvarez, again, as I mentioned earlier, continues to just stink. And every time he comes up with a runner in scoring position, I'm like, here we go. Here it goes. Go to the second deck. It's going to finally happen. And he's somehow, he's literally looking worse and worse. Like, it's not, it doesn't even look like he's He was better yesterday. Better. He was better yesterday. He had, you know, he had a couple of hits with against the Yankees. But, again, we're, we're, we're being harsh because we thought he was the best hitter in the world. And then he clearly hasn't been for a few weeks now. Um, now, fortunately for the Astros, it hasn't mattered because – it's they have the reverse problem of the Harper Castellanos thing, where it's like Bregman is delivering over and over and over and over behind him, and it's like, hey, wait a minute, should we? Why is no. he pretending? No, <laughs> they're definitely Stop. not changing anything at this point. Um, so yeah, the thing they're, with Jordan they're, on they're, that's funny, right? Is is the yeah, Phillies have built their entire bullpen plan? That's the thing. Like, they're still scared of him. Yeah, of course, and they should be. He's incredible, yeah. right? Yeah. No matter how he looks right now, he's still one of the most feared hitters in baseball. It yeah. is just funny how, you know, his spots coming up and it's like, oh, man, we need to get this new guy in here. And then Jordan <laughs> comes up and like strikes out, looks terrible. Maybe <laughs> it's just because the Phillies plan is working. And then Bregman gets the hit. Um, <laughs> so it's like, oh, shit, the Astros really good. Um, Guriel finally struck out. So he will not set that record. Joey Cora is Joey Cora's next 95 record. 51 uh, postseason plate appearances without a strikeout. He is he's chilling. He's popping champagne with the yep. 72 Dolphins. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, anything else from the from the Philly side that we that we I mean, look, man, like we already talked about the lineup thing. I do do you think they change it? Do you think they pull a Yankees and with their season on the line, they, they suddenly no. mix it up? I don't think so either. No. I Rob Thompson yeah. doesn't flinch. That's like the whole thing, right? He's the yeah. steady as they go guy, and that's why they're here. Joe Girardi would have changed the lineup, okay? And I don't mean that in a bad way or not a good way. I just mean that Girardi was more willing to change stuff than Thompson is. And that is why Thompson has been so good for this team because the steadiness, the trust, the unconditional support, that type of thing has allowed them to get to this point. And I don't think he'll he'll change it up now with the season on the line. I agree. Um, I want to talk about the vibe in the clubhouse. Yes. Because I was in there. You were. You are I a was journalist. You are a credentialed Jordan, member of the media. I'm writing about this at Fox Sports, and I will do so more eloquently than I will do so here. Speaking into a microphone late night, 1.46 a.m. Good job, Jake. But 40 days ago, the Phillies played their last regular season home game. They then embarked on like a 10-day road trip to finish the season. When they left here 40 days ago, they were, I think, two games up in the wild card, but the sip looked like it was shinking. The ship looked like it was sinking. (laughs) Yes. And I am sure that the vibe that day sucked, right? They left. They lost a heartbreaker to the Braves in extra innings after a rain delay. It was horrible. You know, it just wasn't good vibes. And they got on the plane, they went on the road, and they took care of business. They did what they needed to do to get in. They beat the Cardinals in St. Louis, and then they came back here to total mayhem and total applause. And what they need to do now looks the same as that, right? Gut-wrenching loss, 
It looks like all hope <laughs> is <losses>. lost. <laughs> two gut-wrenching losses, yep. right? Which was the same thing in, in that series. Ways. They lost yep. those last two games to the Braves. Yep. And they had to get on a plane. And they had to go fucking take care of business. If they want to create passion here, they needed to go do it on the road. They did that. Now, if they want to line Broad Street for a parade, they have to go do it on the road. And like, I'm sure that there is some solace knowing that they were in a relatively similar position before, mm-hmm. right? Now, obviously, it's different. You're playing the Astros, and like you, you know, it's the literally World Series. But there are similarities there where this team has been up against it, and they did respond. Now, do I think they're going to win both games? I don't know. <laughs> We'll get to that in a second. But just the vibe in the in the locker room, for the most part, was just like, I would say like, you know, Marsh and Reese in particular looked notably sad and yeah. notably beat up about it. And I talked to Kyle Schwarber about the vibe and he was like, you know, I tell the guys like you can be as pissed or as sad or as grumpy or as, you know, angry as you want tonight. You can hang your head and you can mope and you can do whatever. That's okay. If you tell guys not to do that, that's a bad, you know, expectation to set. But you better come in tomorrow ready to ready to play having the page. Because, like, that, you're not eliminated. Like, as long as you're, you're not, not eliminated, eliminated, you better be coming and expecting to win, you know. Right. Um, and obviously the like, Astros have done that incredibly correct. well in this series. Right. Um, so. And th- so there were heads being hunged mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's the point, kind of, right? Totally. You can only get past it if you allow it to impact you the night of. So I just thought some of that shit was interesting, mm-hmm. you know, taking it in from the clubhouse. Um, I Can I go to bed now? Uh, yeah, well, sounds like you you, <laughs> you have to write those words now. A uh, couple other quick things. Uh, on the Astros side of things, now, remember, last year uh, they also won Game 5, but they were down. And so in that scenario – they were going back and trying to win two games. And this time, they they're going back home to Houston trying to win one. Now, at the same time, last year, they went back and got their ass absolutely whooped in game six, um, and it wasn't even competitive. This time, we've got Fromber versus Wheeler round two. And my biggest concern for the Phillies in this game is that Fromber, to me, and we'll see, they'll maybe come out and just crush him, Fromber to me is not a pitcher you can just then figure out. Like he is not that he's necessarily going to be perfect. And yes, they can maybe make more contact than the nine strikeouts he had in game two. But I I just do not see them torching him. And Wheeler, we've already talked about how he looked a little bit tired. Hopefully a little bit of extra rest will help him. But I just it's just leaning a little bit too far. I mean, I said Astros in six when we began, but that's where I'm I'm just a little bit concerned there. Uh, but hey, man, like both of these teams have shown resilience in different ways, and so I'm not going to be stunned either way. Like this has been an incredible series. It's not like the Phillies haven't played them close, but every step of the way, every close moment, and the versions of dominance that we've seen have proven that, that the Astros are the better team. Doesn't mean the Phillies are dead, but. You know, it's it in some ways is playing out as I expected. We'll preview game six tomorrow, Jordan. I think we should probably do another show maybe uh, Saturday morning for just a quick little sure. little little pod for the people. So we won't go into it now. Mm-hmm. One last thing we do need to talk about, Jordan, is to shout someone out. Yeah. So you mentioned this moment earlier. Um, 
where you were down in the bud watching Verlander warm up. And I understand you tweeted a picture of this. So, you're, you know, you go to the Phillies World Series game, you're going to see a lot of Harper jerseys. You're going to see some Mike Schmidt. You're going to see some Hoskins, some Wheeler, some Nola. You might even see some Gene Segura jerseys if you're lucky. But you know what jersey you're probably not expecting to see? Mitch Walding. Jordan, who's Mitch Walding? <laughs> Mitch Walding was the Phillies' fifth-round pick in 2011 out of high school. Mitch Walding was never really much of a prospect. He just hung around the minors. He bounced his way up. And he made the big leagues in 2018. He got one hit off of catcher Brian Holiday in a blowout. It was a home run. That was his only major league hit. He was sent back down. He played in double-A with the Padres this year and hit 046 in seven games. Someone was wearing a Mitch Walding jersey. Now, when Jake and I see someone with the jersey like Mitch Walding, a Phillies, this wasn't a minor league jersey, right? This wasn't one of his Lehigh Valley jerseys. He's played plenty of games in Lehigh Valley. Okay. Mitch Walding. When you see, when we see that in the wild, we've had versions of this before. We're like, that is our, these are our people, you know? And I understand that you confirmed that this was, this, this was one of us. So this guy's yelling at Verlander, like he's throwing up middle fingers. He's like calling him whatever as he's walking out there. And then he like turns around and sees me, just goes, says for this. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that tracks. Uh, I believe this Loved gentleman's it. name is Zach. So shouts out to Zach. And this is also a perfect uh, transition. Just the last thing I'll say before we say goodbye, which is again, we really, it's been so awesome the support you guys have been giving us um, so far this postseason. We've had so much fun doing all these late night pods. Um, so we would love it if you would obviously subscribe, follow, whatever, um, but leave us a review. And get, if you can come up with a name of Major League Baseball player when you leave a review, all we ask you is, is you know, five stars and just, just write a name, any baseball player's name. There have been some incredibly random names so far in the reviews, and Mitch Walding beats all of them. So if you can beat Mitch Walding in terms of irrelevant major leaguers, Whoa. I, will, I will be well. He's relevant. I don't, now. We don't like that word. We he's, don't like hey, that word. He's he's relevant now. We we, we so I'm <laughs> uh, so shouts out to Zach. Thank you for the support. Shouts out uh, to everyone who's uh, supported the pot so far. Uh, shouts out to Chris Tyler for producing this as always, and uh, shouts out to you, Jake Mintz, for joining me uh, on this another uh, edition and adventure of a Barbacast. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye and good night? Tonight was the eighth baseball game of the postseason that I witnessed here at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I loved every freaking minute of it. I have to be honest with you. Like covering games in this city, in this park is the is just rules. This town freaking rules. The fans here, they rule. Like this covering this team just it's the it's been so good and really like meaningful for me to like learn how to be a reporter in the postseason and learn how to ask questions. And the Phillies as players have been very and the people who work here have been very kind to me and 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 understanding. And I've really just to be a little sappy, like it's been really nice. And mm -hmm. I got a little emotional today, you know, like watching it, being like all of these things end. Like every year it's cyclical and doesn't actually mean anything in the greater scope of the world and we're all gonna have to pay for twitter soon and you know it's all pointless but sitting there and 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 letting it mean just a little bit was has been cool and so thank you to the people of philadelphia to the phillies mm -hmm. fans for their uh, graciousness best press box food in the league <laughs> and i've i've just really 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 enjoyed my time shouts out and to i Philly. didn't get and i get i didn't get food poisoning here i got it in houston 
Well, back to Houston you go. Hopefully you can avoid food poisoning round two as you return for game six and seven. Uh, Yes, we will probably do a preview pod for game six, but at the very least, you will definitely hear us after that game. Uh, Maybe it'll be the last game of the season. Maybe it won't be. But until then, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts.